0: Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week
1: It's time to dominate your Fantasy League. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath.
0: Big day here on Fantasy Football today. Jamie is on the clock at our Dynasty League, considering trades from four or five different people, including me. Saquon Barkley has agreed to a deal with the New York Giants. That's great news. We can stop worrying about that one. Uh, it is Alvin Kamara's birthday, and I forgot to wish Dave a happy birthday yesterday. JV, did you? I did,
1: on the air. Oh, you wished him about- Oh, good for you. Good he for wished you. me a happy birthday like four separate times yesterday. <laughs> like, the, the, what an amazing guy. You could have told Much me. Much appreciated. But he, he, he didn't do the best thing that he could have done on my birthday. By that was food? taken care of by somebody else. Okay, that's, yeah, okay,
0: uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> I
1: am totally thrown
0: off now, I think that's a food <laughs> reference, but we also have to talk about the 10 best early ADP values, five from Jamie and five from Dave, two of them are tight ends that have something in common, the highest ADOT for a tight end in 10 seasons, more on that a little bit later. Uh, that's what they had last year. So let's start with the Barkley news. Then we'll get into the best values. And then we will get into the news and notes. And there are a lot of those, um, including an update on Kadarius Toney, who's expected to be ready for week one. But uh, Dave Saquon Barkley gets a deal that's a little bit better than the franchise tag. He can make up to $11 million. So I just want to tell you, I, you know, I would say I would call his season last year a little overrated. He was RB five per game in PPR, which is his stronger format. He was he had fifty seven catches in sixteen games. But if you look at his points per game, in the previous five seasons, he would have been RB eight or RB nine per game, based on his points per game. If you take out the Eagles game where he entered the game hurt, he barely played thirty one percent of the snaps, scored six points. Uh, you take, and you give him 18.3 points per game that would have made him in the previous five years, RB six, RB nine, RB eight, RB six, and RB four in 2021. So I would say a little overrated, uh, especially the second half where he kind of stunk, uh, but he scored some touchdowns. So anyway, you said on Friday in our live draft, I think you said you'd take him like sixth or seventh if you were in training camp and there were no issues. Where, where are you on Barkley now?
1: Among running backs, so I would take him 6 no, or seven. overall, overall. Overall? That's probably – I'd take him sooner than that if it's non-PPR. If it's full PPR, uh, I've got him currently at 10. So okay. he's behind McCaffrey, Eckler, and Bijan. I remember debating in my head Barkley versus Bijan. There's no debate anymore. I'm taking the rookie. Uh, but he's also behind the, the surefire wide receivers of Jefferson Chase, Cup, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs. Those guys have 20-plus PPR point potential. And I don't think Saquon's got that anymore. Now what I'm wrestling with is Saquon versus Tony Pollard, Saquon versus Derrick Henry, and then that next group of wide receivers, Saquon versus CeeDee Lamb versus Devontae Adams versus A.J. Brown, maybe even versus a Munro St. Brown. I'm happy that he's going to be in training camp. We don't have to worry about him showing up a week before the season and not being in shape. He'll be in game shape. And still, last year was good for him. It was 17.8 PPR points per game. I expect that number to trickle down just a little bit, given all the additions that the Giants made in their passing game. I think that'll help them spread the wealth around a little bit more and not be so reliant on Saquon Barkley. But I hate the schedule. They're taking on the Eagles twice. They're taking on the Cowboys twice. I think those defenses are going to be awesome. They've got the NFC West on top of that. They've got the AFC East on top of that. And then the Saints, the Packers, those two teams have pretty good defenses as well. It will not be an easy run for Saquon. I don't think he's going to. There's a chance he falls out of my first round in full PPR, in which case he'd be almost a bargain. I expect him to go anywhere between eighth and 14th in every single PPR league this summer.
0: Okay. The draft we did on Friday was half PPR. I think after Cup came off the board, maybe you were saying you would take Barkley. So, so that's you named eight players, you named five receivers and three running backs. You did not say Kelsey. So, with oh, Kelsey, Kelsey's ahead of him, 10.
1: Too. That's obvious.
0: So, that would put Barkley at 10. So, Jamie, how about you on Barkley?
2: Uh, he's going to be a first-round pick. There, there's, there's just too much still upside with him for what he does. I think he was one of, if I saw this correctly, um, one of two running backs, maybe that played ninety percent of their snaps or eighty percent of their snaps, the entire season last year. Um, I forget what the number was, but um, he's he's still their offense. You know, as much as they did make some changes, he's still their guy. And this, I think, speaks to him wanting to be there, which is you know the best part about it. Uh, I, re- I did a poll, uh, which running back would you would you rather draft in the first round, assuming McCaffrey and Eckler are off the board? And I listed four, and I got yelled at for not having five on there, which was Nick Chubb. But uh, Bijan, Saquon, Taylor, and Pollard, and Bijan got 37.8% of the votes. It's uh, almost 2,500 votes right now. This was this morning. Um, Barkley was second at 32.3%. So I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see um, when you start to get past which, will most likely be the consensus of McCaffrey and Eckler. Uh, the next really six to seven guys, you know, depending on Jacob's situation, but Bijan, John Barkley, Taylor, Pollard, Chubb, and uh, Jacobs and Henry, uh, who likes those guys better. But the overwhelming response, honestly, was leaving Nick Chubb out. And yeah. I went and just uh, looked because I did a draft with the fantasy pros guys yesterday, and they were very high on Nick Chubb. Uh, of the four guys that do rankings for them, three of them have Nick Chubb as their third running back overall. So yeah. um we're probably too low on Nick
0: Chubb consensus wise well, for us. I don't know. I wouldn't say that. I mean I wouldn't say you're probably too low on him. You might have him appropriately appropriately ranked. Maybe they're too high on him. Uh potentially.
2: Yeah, I, I was it's, wrestling it's, it's with just, Barkley. It's such a good Chuck. setup for him. Like I, I I it's it's hard for me not to put him higher. That's
1: kind of what become, I was thinking. He's yesterday. becoming like the the running back that's going to get overhyped a little bit. And by, but I don't by the think time so, we get though. to mid August, he could be like, what, what, going what
2: are the flaws? Overall. What are the flaws? Like, I mean, he, he's been so good with Kareem Hunt, and now Kareem Hunt is gone. They're talking about right. using him more in the passing game. It's still a very good offensive line. The offense as a whole should be better because Deshaun Watson's clearly oh. an upgrade over any quarterback that they've had, you know, since he's been there. And so it just, you know, if, if you're going to judge based on what he did with Deshaun Watson last season in that small sample size, you're making a huge mistake. Uh, because yes, Even that's though he did sure. not score. They were forcing the ball in Deshaun Watson's hands to see what he could do coming back from the suspension. It was as plain mm-hmm. as day. And Nick Chubb is now in such a great spot. It's probably his last big season. Uh, you know, I'm changing. I'm putting him out.
1: In PPR, oh, you're you're putting him Hold on, board. wait. Let me see if I can talk even <laughs> further into it. Do you know what he averaged with Brissett last year? A billion points. 18.9. So a little lower than a billion, but still really good. Better than Barkley. Than Better Barclay. than Barkley, even if you remove the it Eagles was also, game It was also a career year for Chubb. Almost 1,800 total yards, 13 touchdowns. He played 17 games. I think it's the second time in four years that he played a full season, so he didn't get hurt. I love the guy. He's super talented. At least 14.5 PPR points per game each of the past four seasons. He seems super safe. And if this is true about him getting more work in the passing game, then it's it, it'll be justifiable.
0: All right, so I think that's where this comes down to here because, you know, in a non-PPR league, I think Chubb over Barkley, dare I say, is an easy call. Is that an easy call? Chubb over Barkley in non-PPR?
1: I don't have it that way, but yes, you can certainly make the case.
0: Half PPR is tough. They They scored almost the same exact amount of points per game last year. Full PPR, you know, again, Barkley was better than Chubb by one spot, number five versus number six, but... It depends how you want to treat that Eagles game. You take that out. He was two points per game better than Chubb. And the catches are the reason why. So, um, you know, and, and the thing is we say, oh, well, he doesn't have Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt had pretty much no role last year after the first five or six games. He had something like five carries per game. Someone's going to get those. Chubb was, yeah, Chubb was a workhorse, but will he catch passes? They're, I know they're talking about him being used in the passing game more, but... We've heard yeah. that before. They also said Jerome Ford is is good, you know, is looking good in that role too. So um, it's, how, does, big of, does, how big it, is the is gap going to be? It is safe to take
2: Barkley in PPR over Chubb.
0: Okay. But you're still going to do it? You're still going to take Chubb over Barkley? Um, I'm going to take Chubb over Barkley. Okay. All right, let's move on and talk about the Podcast Awards. If everybody wouldn't mind, please pause this show and go to podcastawards.com and vote for us. Uh, Fantasy Football Today, or nominate us, whatever stage we're at here, and um, you can, yeah, it's nominating, but People's Choice Award, Best Male Hosted Podcast, and Best Sports Podcast, just go to podcastawards.com, give them an email address, takes 30 seconds, and then those three categories, People's Choice, Best Male Hosted Podcast, Best Sports Podcast, please vote for us. Dave's birthday was yesterday, Alvin Kamara's birthday is today, that is relevant because we were talking about Alvin Kamara, because Dave has him, as their kind of birthday buddies, as one of the best values right now. Leo, uh, represent. Yeah, Jamie's on the clock. Let's, let's take a quick look at this. This I think is super interesting. We started our dynasty startup, our startup dynasty super flex PPR draft yesterday, and we've made seven picks in 24 hours. But that's all good because there have been three or four trades, and Jamie is on the clock right now. And the first seven picks have been Mahomes, Allen, Hurts, Burrow, Lamar Jackson and then two non-quarterbacks, Justin Jefferson and Bijan Robinson. And that brings Jamie up to number eight, where he plans on taking Justin Herbert. But the guy picking number nine, a very shrewd fantasy manager who I respect a lot, also wants Justin Herbert, and that is me. Uh, so <laughs> what am I willing to give Jamie to move up one spot and Dave, if he takes Justin Herbert, I could take Jamar Chase, and I could also take Justin Fields, and I could take Trevor Lawrence. Right now, I'm leading Trevor Lawrence. The question is, in a startup dynasty league, how big of a difference is there between Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert?
1: What do you think? Well, who Who am I trying to help here? Am I helping fantasy the managers. fantasy manager that you respect a lot, <laughs> which is you? Everyone out do there. I, or do I help my my partner for 16 years or so at CBS? Uh, I don't think that there's a huge difference between the two of them. I don't see either one of them fizzling out at any point over the next five years. So I would not pay very much to move up one spot for Justin
0: Herbert. Yeah, I was going to give him a second round. I was going to make the offer of my ninth pick, which he has the eighth, move down one spot, and Jamie would get my second round rookie pick next year. Would you take that deal, Jamie?
2: I would certainly consider it in the next 20 minutes. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you, ah. uh, you know what? I think I'm just gonna go with Trevor Lawrence. I uh I I think I'm fine with it. So you can go ahead and either take another trade offer or you can take Justin Herbert. What are you gonna do?
2: I got some I got some interesting ones. You want me to share them?
1: Yeah, go ahead. Yes, yes.
2: So I got one that was uh they both basically the same. Um one was uh Lamar Jackson who's already been taken for my first round pick and my second round pick. So no. That's a no-go.
0: And that's in the—remember, we're doing the Startup Dynasty draft, which is 21 rounds, I think, maybe 23. So he's talking about his first and second round picks in this Startup Dynasty. Any future picks would be just rookie-only drafts, which are four rounds. Go
2: ahead. Correct. And then I got also basically the same deal, which is Joe Burrow, for those same picks.
0: No. Nope. No, oh, there's just not a big enough—Herbert's like such a great pick for you. So why yeah. are you—let me ask you this. This is, you know, for everyone— you have Justin Fields ranked ahead of Herbert in your in your redraft rankings. Why are you Correct. taking Herbert over Fields in Dynasty?
2: Well, I, I first off they're very close. So if I was doing projections, they would be very close. But I, I think whenever you're talking long term, the running quarterbacks have the the same issues that they've had forever, which is the injury risk. And we already saw it last year with Justin Fields. You know, he hurt his shoulder um, when he got tackled. So I know Herbert dealt with the rib injury. You can make that argument as well. But I I just think long-term justin herbert's career span is safer and so it's it's a a close enough ceiling with a higher floor that i just feel more more comfortable in this format in a dynasty format long-term format with justin herbert if this was a redraft league i would take my chances with fields for the one season because i think he's going to pop not that the herbert won't but again it's just you know minuscule in terms of the the season-long points uh, it would be a little bit more dramatic in terms of the long-term value. Honestly, for if if we were to make that deal, it would be a tough call between Lawrence and Chase for me because I, me I'm too. torn between Herbert and Chase right now. You know, so
0: oh oh, so um, take Chase. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, now, Chase would be tough to pass up, but man, I just feel like if if I don't take a quarterback in round one. I'm just. It's hard. I'm gonna lose this year. I'm gonna be bad this year. I feel like you know. It's possibly. Well, all right. Uh, it's not just this on. year, though. Again, it's
2: it's it's long term. Like you yeah. have a tough call as well between Lawrence and Chase, because yeah. again, you know, Chase. We assume tied to Joe Burrow is going to be a superstar. You made the argument, which is hard to you know disagree, that he's he's even better than Justin Jefferson, because you know he's tied to the his dynasty, quarterback right. for, for forever. Mm-hmm. You know, at least you know the the majority of their careers, whereas. Justin Jefferson at some point may have a rookie quarterback and and that could be ugly for a year or two, depending how that goes there in Minnesota. So I don't, I don't necessarily think it's a, it's a horrible strategy, but for me, I I just love the setup of, of Justin Herbert. I think this year he's going to have with Kellen Moore is going to be special.
0: All right, let's get the 10 best early draft values and Oh, Jamie took Justin Herbert. Now I'm on the clock. All right. I'm just going to I'll see if some trade offers come in. That's it. There Do we not go. Immediately well, yeah, you got to wait. Yeah, yeah. I guess it gets yeah. a good trade offers. Okay. So um, among tight ends, usually I use 50 targets as the, as the floor is the, you know, the measuring stick for tight ends, but Darren Waller only had 43 last year. So among tight ends with 43 or more targets, Kyle Pitts and Darren Waller had by far the highest dots. Now, Jamie's going to make the argument that Darren Waller is one of the best values. Dave is going to talk about Kyle Pitts being one of the best values here. Their ADOTs were way too high. We don't really have to talk about this, but they had the highest ADOT for any tight end with 43 or more targets in the last 10 seasons. It was over 13.4 yards for both of them. And that's just crazy. And I think they'll have more success with a more reasonable A DOT, even if it's, you know, 11, 12, something like that. But it's just too high. You just don't see successful tight ends with that, with that high of an A DOT. Um, why don't we start with the tight ends then? We'll go a little out of order here. And Jamie, you're going to say Darren Waller, who's tight end seven at uh, 75th overall, according to uh, NFC average draft position in July. And Dave, you're going to say Kyle Pitts, who is tight end five, but only five picks ahead of Waller. So they're going in the same range. Jamie, you can start. Tell me if you believe this, why Waller is better value than Pitts.
2: I think they're both incredible value. But again, you know, if we're talking about a tier and getting a guy at the end of a tier, I would, you know, rather wait to see if I can get Waller later, depending on where I'm picking. Now, clearly ADP is a little skewed by that because of how close they are. But uh, I, I just think that the setup for Darren Waller, if he had not, but let, let's just, and again, it's it, it, you can play the same game with Kyle Pitts, but if he had not gotten hurt the last two years and had continued to produce at the level he's at and switch teams still, you know, just because the, the Raiders wanted to move on from his contract, we'd still be talking about this guy as a top three tenant. And he's still got that upside. I know he's a little bit older, and I know the quarterback change may not favor him to the same level of what he was able to produce with Derek Carr in that offense. But I think people overlook Brian Daybol's history. He used to coach tight ends. He used to be on the Patriots staff when they had Ron Garkowski and Aaron Hernandez there. There's a lot to love about this offense and what it should be able to do. And you've certainly seen plenty of jokes and heard plenty of jokes about what this offense looks like. That there's 55 slot receivers, hmm. uh, two outside guys that you know don't have the best track record in, in Slayton and Hodgins. And Darren Waller was their prize acquisition in the passing game. And so if he stays healthy, he's going to challenge to be one of the top three tight ends. I, I, I don't doubt that. And so... Uh, If he can stay on the field, if he can be what he's capable of doing, I think there's a huge ceiling in front of him. So the, the later guy for me is the better value.
0: And Dave, so it goes Pitts, Goddard, and Waller all within five picks of each other. And you put Pitts on there instead of Goddard, instead of Waller. So if they're going around the same range, you think Pitts is a better
1: value than Waller? I think he's got more upside than Waller. And both of these guys are behind George Kittle, which is really what shocked me. Kittle shouldn't go ahead of Pitts and... I think in PPR, he probably shouldn't go ahead of Waller either, but I'm, I'm not a big fan of either of the older tight ends. I love that Kyle Pitts was top 10 among tight ends and targets per game. Uh, a 28% target per route run rate last year. That was 22nd among all tight ends and wide receivers. Just a huge number. His dot was deep. You talked about that. He averaged 2.9 yards of separation per NFL next-gen sets. His problem last year was that, Marcus Mariota couldn't find him. 30 targets of 11 plus air yards, 16 of them were deemed uncatchable by True Media. It it, it was just, it was, it's a nightmare watching that film because he's open. He's schemed well and the ball is thrown and it's just, it's a miss so often. Very frustrating. The problem is that Desmond Ritter actually had a lower adjusted completion rate last year on deep throws and intermediate throws compared to Marcus Mariota. But where Ritter can win now, is on those shorter throws. You talked about the A dot going down. I think we're going to see that across the board in Atlanta. I think we're just going to see shorter throws and not as many deep targets. If Ritter is accurate, Pitts will get schemed open, and hopefully he'll have a lot of yards after catch. I think he's got great upside. I love his schedule, and I love him to be the top target getter in Arizona's offense. So I will take Pitts. I don't mind Pitts in, like, round five, six. I think that he's he's got that type of upside to finish his tight end, two this year.
2: He definitely has more upside, but I don't think he plays for Arizona. <laughs> <It's
1: like, laughs> Why I said Arizona, I'm <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, at uh, least I didn't say well, the Eagles
1: won the Super Bowl.
0: I did say the Eagles won the Super Bowl last year. Uh, yesterday, on, on yesterday's show, I said the Eagles won the Super Bowl. That was weird. Uh, nobody corrected me, so it's on Jamie and Heath, too. But they did not win. I just watched the game again. They did not win the Super Bowl. So, wait, Jamie, do you agree, though, that Pitts has more upside than Waller? Oh, if he hits,
2: for sure. I mean, you know, this is a, just... A, a, a freak of nature, but he's, you know, able to do a, as an athlete. The problem is, is his quarterback and his offense. I mean, you know, that that's huge negatives for him, which is, which is just unfortunate, you know, unless Desmond Ritter is going to completely surprise us, or as he, you know, sort of alluded to yesterday, does, does Taylor Heineke get the opportunity to start at some point? If Ritter really stinks, they're going to run the ball still so much. And now you have these two, I don't want to say they're alphas yet because they haven't proven it yet, but they have two guys in this offense that command targets. And an offense that's going to run the ball 550-plus times again would be my guess. Why would else would they draft B. John Robinson? Plus, what he's going to do in the passing game, which is certainly different than what the guys they had last year, no matter what you think of Cordero Patterson as a pass catcher, Bijan Robinson is probably better at this point. And so I think just all these mouths to feed in a run-first offense just lowers the ceiling of what Kyle Pitts could be. And believe me, I'm drafting plenty of Kyle Pitts. I love this. Like I said, I think this is great value for him in this spot. And so I took him in the fantasy pros draft that I did with the guys there yesterday. I took him in the Scott Fishbowl. I, I, I'm taking Kyle Pitts if I'm looking to win my league. But I feel the same about Darren Waller as well. So I think both yeah. those guys have immense upside. One is just younger and at the start of his career. And that's, I think, where the difference
1: is. You mentioned that the offense and the quarterback were strikes against Kyle Pitts. How much better is the offense and the quarterback for Darren Waller with the G men? Dramatically.
2: I no way. I don't think You're taking Desmond Ritter over Daniel Jones in any in any
1: scenario. They were very close in adjusted completion rate on intermediate throws last year and short throws. I will check. Uh Jones was at eighty three percent. I don't know if it's fair to necessarily compare. He was ahead of the Falcons guys. Mariota was terrible at seventy. I was going to
0: ask the same question. Honestly,
1: I was going say- to. I'm not going to say that it's dramatically better. I'm just going to say that they're a little. The Giants' offense and Giants' quarterback, it's better. But I, you know, I think dramatically. I think that you're talking like, you know, like ten spots better, something like that. I, I think their offenses are kind of going to be the same, but maybe a little bit more concentrated targets in Atlanta compared to New York. I think New York's going to continue to spread the ball around. It's one of the reasons why I'm not excited about Waller.
0: Okay, well that's a little tight end discussion here. We will talk about Anthony Richardson who is QB 16 in average draft position on NFC right now. And we'll do that right after this quick break on fantasy football today. Robert
2: half research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert half our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting technology, Marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
0: From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band YouTube. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome back. So Jamie says he likes to draft Kyle Pitts. He also thinks a, Anthony Richardson is a good value. All right, we got a Gators. gators. <laughs> we got a Gators. Theme Where are here. you on Kyle Trask, James? <laughs> Uh
2: Hopefully, he never sees the field for the, the Buccaneers. There you go. <laughs>
0: uh, anyway, Richardson, yeah, QB sixteen. It's just, I got. I was thinking about this last night. I was just so shocked. After the NFL draft, when you guys had your first run of rankings, that I'm pretty sure all three of you, the two of you and Heath, I think you all had Richardson as a top twelve guy, and I just never really thought people would do that. Really, um, back in April or early May, whatever it was, uh, but you guys still have that, and drafters are not feeling the same way. So, Jamie, um, you got Richardson would be a great value if you could really get him at QB sixteen.
2: Oh my God. I mean, you know, and I, I think as we sort of alluded to yesterday with the, the group of quarterbacks that we talked about following Dak Prescott, you know, when you talk about Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson and Geno Smith and Daniel Jones and all these guys that if you compare them with Andy Richardson, you're in a really good spot. Um, for me, I think, you know, if you're looking for what Richardson can be, you're hoping for the legs of Justin Fields and the second year throwing of Lamar Jackson, because he's not going to be a 4,000 yard guy. That's just not I think realistic, but if he can approach 3000 yards and still run for a thousand yards, he's going to, as we said about Lamar Jackson that season, break fantasy. And so that's the hope now more realistically is, can he be a 2,500 yard passer and still run for a thousand yards? And I think that's doable, you know, so fields last year was 2250 right around there and 1200 yards rushing, you know, he just missed the, the rushing record that Lamar Jackson had. So anything close to 1000 yards rushing, anything close to 22, anything close to 2500 yards passing uh is going to put him in the top 10 conversation especially if the touchdowns are 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 significantly different or close to, you know, a good enough margin where the the turnovers don't crush him.
0: I looked this morning at the other mobile quarterbacks and like what, look
2: at these projections, there's no way that, that, that that's what happens.
0: These projections are 2930 yards, 17 touchdowns, 20 interceptions with 981 wow. yards and five rushing touchdowns which would make him QB 17, and I think people forget about the turnovers because you're not even seeing a a fumbles projection here, but I would bet that there would be a lot of fumbles for Richardson, like a lot of these guys in their rookie seasons, and the 20 interceptions, if that's... And I I could see him throwing 20 interceptions, you know, if he's going to play 17 games at quarterback. Um, The turnovers could get him, but I just want to go through some of the other extremely mobile quarterbacks. I'm pretty
2: sure that would only be the second guy ever to go 29-9. and
0: 20, what was it, 29? 900
2: passing yards and 900 rushing yards. Because Lamar's uh, the only guy to go 3,000, 1,000.
0: Yeah. All right. so, so Michael Vick made only two starts. Cam Newton was a top-five quarterback, both overall and per game. He was right around fifth as a rookie. And he had his best passing season ever, his most passing, his only season with uh, 4,000 yards, I think. Lamar Jackson, look at the seven starts he made as a rookie. He would have been per game the number 9 quarterback in 4 point, the number 18 quarterback in 6 point. Um Kyler Murray was 12th in 4 point, 14th in 6 point per game as a rookie. Jalen Hurts only made 4 starts. He got pulled early in one of them after the third quarter, but he was pretty good. He scored 20 or more fantasy points in all 3 of his of the games he started and finished. And Justin Fields was terrible. He wasn't even in the top 30. So it really runs the gamut from elite in Cam Newton to Low-end starter and Kyler Murray. Same thing with Lamar Jackson. I would say format-dependent. Uh, Jalen Hurts, only four games, but very good. And Justin Fields, horrible. But, you know, the numbers that you're talking about with can Anthony Richardson do what Lamar Jackson did, what Justin Fields did, I just got to point out, Jamie, they, they didn't do that in their rookie years. You're asking him to do what those guys did oh, in correct. their second years. Yeah.
2: yeah. No, it, it's again, it's, it's unprecedented. But, you know, I think, again, when you look at who he's being ranked around, and the position that we're talking about, and I'll say this, you know, I'll go back to the, the, the show we did about lessons learned. I'm falling for it again, the shiny new toy. Um, this is the position though you shoot for upside. The guy I was talking about was, was Trey Lance, you know. So you're you're shooting for upside here, and you and when you when you compare him to to Prescott and Watson and and Cousins and Geno and those guys and what they're capable of doing, those guys have a much safer floor. You know, Geno's got a new toy to play with on, on top of what he got had last year with Metcalf and, and Tyler Lockett. You know that Kirk Cousins is gonna be in an offense that throws the ball out, he got a new toy as well. So there's lots of things to like about those guys if you wanna take the safe route. I think it's easy to pair Anthony Richardson with someone that's still got plenty of upside. We saw Jacob Gibbs do that in one of our, I think it was our magazine draft, if I'm not mistaken. So that 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 draft you'll see on, on, on the shelves in your stores. But he took, I'm pretty sure he took Richardson and then went back to back and took Lawrence And the question I asked him, because we do a a, a Q and A in in that format for this, for the magazine, did you intentionally, did you make it a, uh, uh, was it your intention to draft two quarterbacks back to back once you took Richardson, or was the value just too good on Trevor Lawrence? And he says he has, he believes that Richardson has a higher ceiling than Trevor Lawrence, but Lawrence has a, still a very good range of outcomes and a safer floor. So I don't think most people are gonna go that, Type of pairing, unless the ADP holds, and you're taking Lawrence first, and then you're getting Richardson later, which is certainly a a great way to go if that's the way your draft falls. But most likely, you're going to see Richardson with one of those quarterbacks past Dak. You know, I
1: think you're in a great spot as well. Yeah, there's just so many quarterbacks who can give you 20 to 22 per game that we've already talked about: Dak, Deshaun, Cousins, Gino, Rogers, Russell Wilson, Stafford might even be able to get you there. That's why I just have Richardson ahead of that group knowing that I can get a second one to go with him. You have to make that commitment on draft day. But it, it, it's just like you said, Jim. You're shooting for the upside with Richardson, and you get somebody with a high floor later on.
2: It's it's just easy. There, there are two quarterbacks that you really, I think, need to take a backup with, and they're going to go – they're going to probably be ranked in a similar spot. It's Tua and, and Richardson. They're back to
0: back. Because, well, yeah, but you know, that's you, thing. They're ranked similarly, but this conversation is about ADP. No, so the, again, I, you don't I think have to, yeah, he is your backup, if, Richardson. He's not the. You don't have to take a backup with him. He is your backup, right? Uh, yeah, and and if if ADP
2: holds, and that's what we see, middle of August, and I said this yesterday, like I, I in the show that we did in regards to risers and fallers from training camp, I wouldn't be surprised if. Richardson, and I had him as a follower initially because I was looking at rankings, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's people that are drafting him the way we have it ranked and targeting him as as a top 10 quarterback. And then he has some stinkers in camp that people, the, you know, the, the media there says he's just off, he's not hitting, you know, his, his targets, whatever. Minshew's taking more first team reps. You know the, the way this narrative can go. Mm-hmm. Or in, in any preseason action, if he does play, he looks awesome. And then 16 at ADP, gets cut in half and now he's being drafted as the number eight quarterback.
1: Yeah. I don't think fantasy managers that are against taking two quarterbacks will look at Richardson because there's a lot of people out there. I only want one quarterback. I'm only drafting one. They'd rather save that roster spot for another position. Well, it's people that only have five bench spots. That's hard. Right. They're not going to take Richardson or they shouldn't unless it's like an eight team league and you know that guys like Stafford, Russ, Jared Goff, they'll be on the waiver wire.
0: All right, let's move on here, and let's talk about the next guy on Jamie's list, which is Khalil Herbert, who is RB37, being picked in about the ninth or 10th round, Uh, was reading a training camp preview from ESPN's Courtney Cronin, and Courtney Cronin said, Even if it doesn't manifest itself by week one, it would not be surprising to see the rookie, Rashawn Johnson, supplant Herbert at some point this season. The Bears were drawn to Johnson for how he handled a multitude of roles at Texas, including catches catching passes out of the backfield and being a four-phase special teams player. His biggest impact is in pass protection, an upgrade he could provide over Herbert and Foreman. And this is something that he's been harping on, why he's not super high on on Herbert. But Jamie, you still have Herbert as a, as one of their best early values.
2: At 37, yeah. I I think he probably belongs about five or six spots up. I'm 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 with this report. I'm with Heath. I I think if you can get one of the guys from this backfield, you want to take the last one. So if we really were talking about best values, I think Roshan Johnson is 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 certainly on the table. You know, I I think I said this from the draft. Like he's the guy I'm most interested in in this Bears backfield. But I think if Herbert does hit, then you're gonna be probably disappointed that you didn't take him a little bit sooner because they're going to give him the first opportunity. Look, he's the guy that's been with the team. The other two guys have been brought in, whether it's draft or whether it's, um, you know, as a free agent. Now the flip side of that is obviously they inherited this regime, inherited Khalil Herbert. They didn't draft him. This regime drafted Roshan Johnson. And he's, he's, I want to see if I could find somebody like this. I wonder if, uh, what the situation was at Penn state with the guys there because they had a, a very crowded backfield, but you know, guys that, profile like roshan johnson which didn't have a lot of work in college because they were behind a superstar and then all of a sudden they get this chance in the nfl and they take off so he's he's definitely the more intriguing of the two but i still think this is great value for a guy that if he is the starter for the bears this is going to be a much better bears offense across the board you know because the passing game should be better with dj moore there justin fields just continuing to grow as a passer and then now this opportunity he looked great in the times that he replaced david montgomery we talked about this you know i know you adam is a big fan of cleo herbert because the metrics say he's better than David Montgomery was, and so can that carry over now if he gets a full time role? So he's going to get the first crack at it. Hopefully, he takes advantage of it. If not, Roshan Johnson should be one of your late round dart throws for sure. Or you could just draft both of them
1: if you want to go that route. Sure. Yeah, draft Herbert first. Well, what about Foreman? for the first third of the season, and then Roshan might be there for the last third.
0: Yeah, but you're forgetting Foreman, about Foreman, right? I mean, for, Foreman's going to have third? a
2: role or, or chance to you know earn earn the job as well. Um, I know. I, I think I saw a report in. Um, uh, Aaron Wilson, who covers the NFL in Houston, uh, I guess he just had his, his camp there recently, and you know he was talking about his opportunity to go in there and win the job. It's a wide open backfield. You know, it's 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 not Herbert's guaranteed to be the guy for the full season. Again, I think he'll get the first crack at it. He'll get the first carry in training camp. He'll probably get the first carry week one. If he struggles, the other He's two taking guys it are to be the right house.
0: There. He's taken that t- carry to the house, <laughs> seventy-five yards, touchdown That'd on great. first play. Yeah. Uh, Jahan Dotson, wide receiver 38, being drafted 84th overall. Uh, is this your favorite commanders of, at any position, commanders value, Jahan Dotson, Jamie?
2: Unless we're talking super flex or 2QB league and Sam Howell. But, uh, I, I, yeah, I love the setup for Dotson. I mean, you know, you, you can... So they make an argument that he might be better than Terry McLaurin. I don't think he is as a player, but he might be a better fantasy asset. And so we'll see how Sam Howell's able to you know, keep these guys afloat. You know, is he good enough to, you know, make Dotson and, and McLaurin both, you know, potential starters? I think both are, are worth drafting as starters in three-receiver leagues. I would still draft McLaurin first, but, you know, Dotson was was very successful last year, you know, especially finding the end zone. And so is that something that can carry over to his production this year? So uh, he's closer to wide receiver 30 for me than he is for 38. Uh, I, I think there's just a lot of upside here. So to get him at 84th overall, to me, is a steal. All
0: right. Um, Dave will... Get your thoughts on your guys pretty soon. Let's talk about one other wide receiver I think Dave would share in this sentiment. Gabe Davis, wide receiver 41. Average draft position is 90th. And last year, he was wide receiver 24. uh, Per game is wide receiver 28 in non-PPR, 38 in full PPR. We know he dealt with injury. We know he dealt with quarterback injury. Gabe Davis, do you share in that, uh, Dave, that Gabe Davis is one of the best early values as wide receiver 41?
1: No, I agree with the ADP at 90th overall. I, I think he's going to be – I think he has the upside to be a good wide receiver three. I just don't think he's got the same type of upside as what we saw from him last year. The additions that Buffalo made this offseason suggest that he won't get that that grip on a big target share. And I'm, I'm just not buying that Gabe Davis can explode uh, in this iteration of Buffalo's offense. Good player, but I think he's going to be more of like a perimeter downfield shot type of guy. And you're hoping that he catches those downfield shots – with, uh, with an occasional red zone touch or target uh, in Buffalo. I, I, I think that this ADP is fine. I don't think it's a value. I, I'm more excited about Dotson. I would take him probably 10 spots sooner than the 84th ADP, and I'm more excited about Herbert, who I'd probably take maybe even 20 spots higher than the ADP that they have listed. What, one, 108 it was for yeah, Talil for Herbert? Herbert. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd go higher on Herbert and Dotson than I would on Gabe Davis.
0: All right, Jamie. So why do you like Gabe Davis's value so much right now?
2: Yeah, I, I, I almost completely disagree. Uh, you know, you're talking about a guy that really his situation hasn't changed, I think, at all. Um, they made one offseason addition that matters, and it's Dalton Kincaid. And I think you're just going to see him, you know, sort of usurp the targets that were there for the non-Gabe Davis, Stefan Diggs guys because those two guys are locked into the same roles that they had. And this is a player that we were drafting for the same upside that he has. Plus, he's entering a contract year. And these are the type of guys we talked about this earlier. He's going to be 25 years old when he hits free agency, and these guys tend to get paid, the downfield players that have his type of speed. So I think Gabe Davis is going to be uh, a better version of what he was last year. Still has the same type of potential to be a breakout receiver, and you're getting him 60 sp- or 30 spots lower than his ADP was last year. He was 60th overall last year on our site on, on based on his ADP. So you're attaching yourself to Josh Allen. You already know the narrative that they're trying to rein him in to stop running as much. So if he doesn't run as much, and maybe there's some – more opportunities for Gabe Davis. Uh, we, we know what happened last year. He had the ankle injury early in the season. Probably was not right until that Pittsburgh game. By the time he started to get going a little bit, Josh Allen hurts his elbow, and then the passing game completely goes in the tank. So I think he's still worth the same upside. And to me, he's a guy that you... I don't disagree with the ADP because you're still taking a chance on him, but I'm going to draft him a lot sooner. So I, I I love the setup for Gabe Davis. I think he's going to be round? Uh, I would probably start looking for him as, as depending on how receivers are going, but early mm-hmm. as round six,
1: love to get him round seven. Okay. So round six, if receivers are going off the board and like, it's a three receiver league, something like that. Yep. I still, I don't want to draft him as a, as a uh, top two guy,
2: but uh, as a third no. receiver, if if I miss on, uh, um, yeah. I, on I someone, get that. someone that's a little bit safer, he's perfect. Like I, again, I'll reference this, this fantasy pros draft that I did yesterday. Uh, he was my fourth receiver, you know, so. Love that yeah. setup. I so, him,
0: so would you rather have Dotson or Gabe Davis? David obviously. Oh, rather I'd rather have have Dotson. Dotson. You'd rather have Dotson yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. In PPR, in non PPR, I, I take David. This is something that gets a little overlooked. Josh Allen, before his elbow injury, he was averaging thirty-seven point three pass attempts per game, and was on pace for fifty-one hundred yards and forty touchdowns. After his elbow injury, thirty-three point six pass attempts per game. It's about I already forgot the number, about four, three three and a half less, 3.7 fewer per game. On pace for 3,995 yards and 34 touchdowns. You're talking about 1,100 yards difference there. Do you um, have a Zadot difference? No, but I do have one of my favorite stats. Um, if I can if give me one second here, I'm sorry. It's actually in the note. It's actually in the notes. Okay, oh, pass attempts of 35-plus yards. week one through nine, uh, nine, or yeah, sorry, weeks one through nine, Josh Allen had 13 pass attempts of 35 or more yards and five of them went to Gabe Davis after the elbow injury, weeks 10 through 17 four pass attempts of 35 or more air yards two to Gabe Davis. So I always make the case that killed him. That killed Gabe Davis. That Mm -hmm. was his role. Yeah. I mean, I can't see Gabe Davis being consistent, but I could see him being the best big play wide receiver in football. Is that, you know, the best, like the best boomer bust, Deep ball, wide receiver in football, like a Marvin yeah, Jones type of guy in his at his best. A Mike Williams, a but like a little yeah. bit worse than that, little f- fewer targets. All right, let's take a break here, and we'll go to Dave's list of best values. to Tony Pollard, yeah, talk about him right after this. wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats. All right, David, if I could repeat the noise I just made, it was, ooh, Tony Pollard. He <laughs> is first on your list here of best values, which I think was just done in terms of ADP. I don't know if you think he's the best value, but uh, it's going 22nd overall. He's RB7. Uh, so that's kind of different. RB7 and 22nd overall. I mean, that's just kind of late for RB7, I think. We do we think that's so realistic, too. though? I do think it is. Where did he go? Didn't we it. do a draft last week, Jamie? Where did he go in the draft last week? Uh
2: I drafted him, which was like 15. Yeah. That's that should be the latest he goes.
0: Okay. Are you sure it wasn't like 22?
2: Not twenty-two. I'll tell you <laughs> okay. right now. I'll check. Nah, no, you're probably right.
0: Um, yeah, I think if Derek Derek Henry went twenty-fourth in that draft. So I think Henry or Pollard or these guys Jacobs are being viewed differently falling. though. Of course. Uh Right, but they have similar ADPs on the website we keep referencing. But,
1: all right. I took him eighteen. Okay. Ooh. See? I think that that's a great value. Go on, Dave. Sorry. He's got a golden opportunity to lead the Dallas Cowboys run game, which has been awesome for fantasy for well over a decade. That includes being workable near the goal line. Uh, As an example, last year, Zeke was there. He had 19 touches inside the five. Pollard had only seven. We know that he's an elusive playmaker on the ground, through the air, should be over the broken fibula. He had the tightrope surgery. Should be good to go for training camp. How about he, he led the NFL in touchdowns of 20-plus yards. No one else, at least a running back, had more than three. Twelve touches of 20-plus yards. Uh, nine of them carries. Fifth most among running backs. Dude's awesome. Should see more work this year. Plays behind a great offensive line. And this is this is baby spoon, small sample size. But in two games without Zeke in 2022, I mean, just massive games, (laughs) at least 21 PPR points per game then. And he's he's just got this huge opportunity. I buy into him. Contract year for him because he's playing on the franchise tag. Certainly could expect the 26-year-old to finish top five, if not top three. At running back, given his profile as a pass-catching, do-it-all type of running back, you're just counting on him having that goal line role. As long as there's nobody like Ezekiel Elliott on that depth chart, and right now there really isn't, I think Pollard can get there. If you're getting him in mid to late round two, it's an absolute bargain.
2: I'm so curious to see where he's going to fall, where we'll rank him consensus-wise, and where people will draft him if Zeke signs.
0: And the latest we heard on that was that it was unlikely. That was the latest report I saw, at least on Z coming back. Um, so I was thinking of the mock draft we did on the air last week on Friday, which was 12 listeners, only listeners. It was a half PPR mock draft, and Pollard went 20th overall. And he went to the guy who took McCaffrey in the first round. Oh, awesome. Right. And I, I, I said it at the time. I don't really love RBRB. I, I love it on paper at the end of I love of draft, it when it's that. But, but it, never seen, it doesn't seem to work out. However... I would never pass up RBRB if Tony Pollard were my second RB. <laughs> that would never
2: that's amazing. I did the same thing. I'm trying who did I take first?
0: Saquon? I took Bijan. Bijan? Oh yeah, I mean you probably didn't think Pollard would be there in round two. No, no chance. I was planning receiver the whole time. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you knew Pollard were there in round two, like if, if we start seeing more evidence that this ADP sticks, then I wonder if you would you consider taking like Stefan Diggs over Bijan Robinson or something like that or or a cup of who.
2: Oh, if you think if you know you're going to get him, uh probably not, but I, I could see the the strategy there. I I just think the the more likely scenario is you're going to get um you're 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 going to see Henry Chubb. I th- I think Paul are going to end up being a first round pick.
0: Okay. So or closer
2: to the top 15.
0: Next up on Dave's list is Damian Pierce. He's RB 24 with an ADP at 68.5. He was number one among uh, running backs with 100 more carries in a void rate last year. He's good at that, but he had one of the worst offensive lines in football. According to Pro Football Focus, the Texans generated the fewest yards before contact in the run game in 2022. They added Shaq Mason. Maybe that will help, but tell me why you think Damian Pierce at RB24 is great
1: value. He was on pace for almost 1,500 total yards and seven touchdowns last year. I know that Devin Singletary is there. This guy is a better running back than Devin Singletary overall, and certainly for the scheme that they're going to run. They're looking at outside zone, wide zone, stuff that the 49ers do. I think their offensive line will be better for that. And I think the offense in general will be better. They've got a better quarterback in C.J. Stroud. Don't love their pieces in the passing game, so I think that they're going to try and lean on their running backs. And I think Pierce is their best bet in short yardage, as well as just getting more work than Devin Singletary on a game-to-game basis. I think he's good. You mentioned the the elusiveness. Um, that was behind the fourth-worst-graded offensive line in football, which you mentioned. He did what he did last season, despite averaging below one yard before contact per rush, which tells right. you how bad the offensive line is and how good Damian Pierce is. I'm happy to take a chance on him before the end of round five.
0: Okay. Next up on the list is mm, Juju. Or did I skip someone? I know you had Pitts. I feel like it. Oh, Camara, I Camara, Camara Pitts and Juju. I knew the birthday boy. I'm sorry, Alvin Kamara. So uh, this is so tough. Obviously, he's RB 31, and even in the last seven days, he's RB 31. Everyone's just bracing for a suspension. Uh, one thing I always like to point out about Camara, in his last two seasons, he does not have a run longer than 30 yards. It is a pretty big red flag, especially for a guy who's 28 today. Happy birthday. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so... Happy birthday, you suck! uh, He might, but he's also had a bad offensive line the last two years, so those things could go hand-in-hand. But what do you think about Kamara here
1: as RB31? This is not me saying that Alvin Kamara is about to bounce back and be a top 12 or maybe even a top 18 type of fantasy running back, but I bet in the games that he does play, he can finish top 24 in PPR. And so getting a running back like that after 90th overall or wherever his ADP is... I just think it makes sense. Um, I am worried about him having 80 catches. I think that ship sailed. Worry about him having 10 touchdowns. There's no way he's going to get that with everybody else that's there. But I think he'll when he plays, he'll lead the Saints in carries. I still think he's more explosive than Jamal Williams and Taysom Hill and Kendra Miller and everybody else that they have there. So they're going to lean on him when he plays. And when he does come back, at least he'll have fresh legs once he gets there. It's not a bad schedule because he's playing in the NFC South. I think he can be okay. Yeah. I think everybody's kind of between his age and this possible suspension, nobody wants him. Yeah. And that's why his ADP is is so bad. But I'll take him at this spot in ADP every time. Yeah.
0: I I do worry that I'm not gonna draft any Kamara and I'm gonna really regret it. Um Jamie, do you have that concern? I don't have that concern.
2: I just don't think that this is... I think running back 31 is realistic. I don't think that the overall is realistic from what we'll see because I do think that we're looking at, again, this ADP is pushing down running back so far. So um, we'll, we'll find out once the the suspension happens. Hopefully it's, you know, for, for people that are in his camp are going to get a two-game suspension. A four-game suspension will probably drop him lower than this. Uh, obviously anything more than that is going to be crushing for him. But I do think that there... Their backfield is better from what we saw last year. It's it's definitely better. You know, Jamal Williams is 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 an upgrade over what Mark Ingram was at the end of the season. Obviously, Kendra Miller's got a chance to, you know, maybe be the spoiler in all this, just in what he's capable of doing as as just fresh legs. And then you still have as, as Dave alluded to the Taysom Hill factor. Plus their passing game is going to be better. You know, so that should hopefully help Kamara in 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 maybe getting back to his his reception total. I agree with Dave. He's not going to get close to 80. But are the goal line chances going to be there for him? That's sort of been no. You know,
0: an, I, have I have great numbers. I have great numbers on him. that. Uh, go ahead, Jamie. I, I can back this up with some numbers, but go ahead, make your yeah. Point no, on it's that.
2: just it's you know you you have the the gadget of Taysom Hill, and now you have the guy who led the NFL in rushing touchdowns last year. You know that's not a good thing for Alvin Kamara when you're talking about will he be able to consistently find the end zone? So he'll have his, his share of touchdowns, but he looked a little off last year. Who knows how much of the the situation you know weighed on him? Uh, because remember this 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 scenario happened following last year's Pro Bowl, not this year's Pro Bowl, you know. So this has been in the works for a long time. Uh, I, I, I hope he can get back to still being, you know, a, a consistent fantasy producer, but he's not gonna crack my top twenty-four, even if there is no suspension. And I'll be happy just to draft him as a flex. I think that's where he is.
0: So in his six seasons, he's had uh four, thirteen, seven, twelve, nine, and four carries inside the five yard line. So only four last year, and that actually led the team. He had more than Taysom Hill, but before that, the previous four seasons, he had 13, 7, 12, and 9. And only one of those years, I want to say, was he a real workhorse, right? So he's always had respectable numbers there. Last year, the Saints had the second-fewest carries in the NFL uh, inside the five-yard line. They had 12. Only Seattle had fewer. So, I definitely expect this to go up. Kamara had only 4 touchdowns last year, 2 rushing, 2 receiving. So, I de- I know that he does have competition, but I still expect more than 4 carries inside the 5-yard line per per 17 games, you know. Okay, I don't know what a, what the suspension will be. Let me ask you one more question about Kamara. So, let's let's just say Saquon Barkley were facing a suspension and the Giants actually got some pretty decent production from you know any running Brita. back that they put a Breida Gray, whoever they whoever they're throwing out. Barry Brightwell. Yeah, I think no matter what, Barkley comes back and gets ninety percent of the touches. You know, as soon as he's back, if Kendry Miller and or Jamal Williams do well in the in an audition, does Kamara have that same status where he comes in and the other guys just become completely irrelevant? No, no you think that they could actually? win a piece of that job of significant. I,
1: I think Jamal Williams already has that piece locked up. And I think it's a high leverage piece. It's the short yardage goal line area. Okay. I think they want to improve there. Uh, and I think that Jamal Williams can do that for them. But I think there's no compare. The coaches will see that there's no comparison when they're outside of low red zone between Kamara and Jamal Williams, who the better, more talented, more athletic running back is. We know that it's Kamara. One other point on Miller. I believe he's on the pup list. No, so he's I'm off. I'm not even he, sure he's if he'll off. be ready. He's off? So as of this morning. He was on He was on, on the, the NFI list. list. He wasn't on the Puppets. Okay. But he's off of it now and he's practicing again? Okay. He's
0: back today. And he was on right. NFI because it was a college injury. So those the Got it. List, All right.
1: Well, so. I appreciate that info. We'll see if he can get himself a piece of this pie, too.
0: We got one more guy, Dave. Give me two minutes on Juju Smith-Schuster. Why I don't do even see-
1: need two minutes because I'm not the biggest Juju fan. But when I saw him going at 118th overall, I said – I'll take him. He's got a chance to be the target leader for the Patriots. In PPR, that could mean as many as 12 points per game if he's getting a a slew of work. And isn't the slot receiver in New England a good thing? Haven't we come to kind of learn that about the Patriots offense? I think Juju will line up there quite a bit. And as wide receiver 51 off the board, happy to have a guy like this on my bench, even if I only use him four times a year on my fantasy league. It, It just makes sense to get somebody who's got this kind of volume at one hundred twentieth overall,
2: I, I'm so curious what they're going to do because you know you're hearing you know more twelve personnel for the Patriots, and so with two tight ends on the field, who's coming off? And so is it going to be Taekwondo well, Thornton, which probably makes the most sense yes. as a as a young receiver, but also he might have more upside than any of these guys. Uh, is it Devontae Parker, who we know has had clearly his his concerns and, and missed time last year with injuries, or is it Juju, who just doesn't make sense as an outside guy? And so is that where he's going to lose? Because clearly his best strength, is, as Dave alluded to, is, is playing in the slot. So somebody said this on, uh, on, on on the Fancy Pro Show yesterday, which I thought was interesting. Does Mac Jones, clearly not the same level, and, and and that was clarified, but does Mac Jones and this Patriots offense get the losing Urban Meyer, getting Doug Peterson boost that Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars offense got because yeah. you're losing the guys that they had there. And still Mac Jones was a was a first-round talent. And getting just better coaching and better system with Bill O'Brien's that just helped this entire Patriots offense. For me, for the most part, I'm fine with Juju in this range. He's just not somebody I find myself drafting. Uh, I think we've seen since his first two years in the NFL how just how poor he's played for the majority of it. He did have some good moments last year with the Chiefs, but if you're not producing in that offense, I can't see him producing in this offense. And so,
0: Wait, in, he's the Chiefs, fine. in the Chiefs offense, Jamie? Yeah, but wouldn't you say you he he did produce
1: before the eleven point six PPR points per he, game? He
2: he, which is he had awesome. he had basically four good games. And I know the concussion. We talked about this. You know, did did he did that maybe just knock him back to a point where he wasn't right? They didn't trust him. They didn't feel comfortable. You know, whatever the case, what was going on there? But he just was not the same post concussion. I think it was against Jacksonville when he got hurt. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it it if he's not still, you know, we keep saying, oh, he's still young. I think he's past that point already at this point of still being young. You know, he's he's, he's younger for his time of service. But I just don't see this offense making him better. I think he just is what he is at this point.
1: He he had five uh, games over 15 PPR points last year. That's one more than Gabe Davis. And two of them came after his concussion. And again, I don't think it's an apples-to-apples comparison with Kansas City and New England. I do agree that getting Bill O'Brien as their play caller is going to lift them. Like I I make fun of Bill O'Brien constantly. He's a good play caller. Just not a great head coach. I think Juju's got that legit shot at getting 120 targets this year.
0: And look, even if he is who he is, wide receiver
1: 51 is, is right. He was wide receiver on a per game basis last year.
0: Okay. So I forgot the news and notes. So I will get to that tomorrow. Uh, we'll talk. We're talking about different strategies for different formats, and we're doing some buy or sell tomorrow. Uh, Kadarius Tony, uh, Adam Schefter said that he reaggravated a knee injury. He had off-season surgery on it, but is expected to be ready for Week One. So we'll talk more about that tomorrow. Plus, what the Packers are saying about Jordan Love, what the Jaguars are saying about Travis Etienne, and there will be plenty more news uh, to come. Um, the other, I, You guys gave me ten great values. I wanted to give just one honorable mention for me. And that's David Montgomery, uh, a guy that I really <laughs> say almost nothing positive about. But one thing I love about David Montgomery is his ADP. He is RB29, RB going 79th yeah. overall. And that's if you look good. you look at the guys behind him, who's guaranteed to get more work? James Cook, Alvin Kamara, Antonio Gibson, A.J. Dillon, Samaje Pirine, Brian Robinson, Jamal Williams. You know, I think Montgomery is the starting running back, at least to begin the year. And has a chance to uh, to crush this ADP, and I don't even like David Montgomery that much. But RB twenty-nine, yeah. Uh, and if he if he's a bust, it's not a it's not a total wait. He's not gonna be a bust in week one. Right? He's gonna have to struggle to be a total bust. He's gonna get his opportunities. But if you unless spend, Gibbs
2: is just that much better,
0: yeah, But but even in week like they're gonna give they're gonna work Montgomery and they're not just gonna give him like seven oh by week one, yeah, no. yeah, right. He's gonna have a chance to prove himself. And 80th overall is not so bad if, if you just like have a crappy draft pick there. All right. Uh, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. I'm now getting some trade offers for pick nine and Superflex. Oh, anything good? Yeah. Anything good? Uh, round two. Let's see. Oh, let me see what it was. It was round two, and that's 18th overall. So I, I'd be giving up the ninth overall pick to move down to 18 and collecting a round five pick, 55 overall
1: in the start up. No. That's a no. Yeah.
2: Uh, I could even though just... Dave's done in this draft. It feels like Dave's making all these
0: trade-offs. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> all right, goodbye, everybody. Talk to you
1: tomorrow on Fantasy Football Today.